Motherfuckers, it's your host with the most, being Katie. You're tuning to Jam Planet Podcast, season two, and I think we're on episode eleven. Today we're going to be reviewing Cameron's. I think it's his third out, something like that. Third, third or fourth album. I don't even know, but uh, yeah, Cameron, come home with me. And with me, I have my lovely co-host with the most, also Westside Jordan. What's up? All right. Without further ado, let's get into the history of Cameron. So Cameron is born Cameron. Zeke Giles. He's a rapper from East Harlem, New York. He met Mace and Jim Jones at Manhattan Center for Science and Mathematics. He had like a promising career as like a professional basketball player, or at least getting like a scholarship, but his grades were like really dog shit, so he wasn't able to get into like any scholarships. So he enrolled into the College of Texas, and he like dropped out without, he actually enrolled without graduating the high school, so I think he like He's a high school dropout. He never finished it. And so he dropped out of Texas, the Texas University or college in Texas, and he went back to Harlem where he started selling drugs and he began his rap career. And he formed a group in the mid-90s called the Children of the Corn. And that's like the underground group. And it had the members Big L, Mace, and his cousin Bloodshed. And he was introduced to Notorious B.I.G. by Mace. And he signed to Lance Rivera's label, I think it's called Un entertainment in 1997 and the children of the corn group disbanded in 1997 due to um bloodshed bloodshed like got killed in a car accident so they all went their separate way or they like did their own like solo thing so it just kind of shows you that bloodshed was kind of like the heart and soul i guess of the group and he released confessions correct confessions of fire in 1998 so this is around like the shiny stew era so a lot of the a lot of the production kind of has like a shiny suit vibe to it and all that. And the singles that, I, the popular singles included 357, which uses the Magnum PI sample. It's a really good song. One of my favorite Cameron songs. And Horse and Carriage featuring, Mate, featuring Mace. And 357 is in the movie, Whoa. So I haven't seen that movie, but I'll check it out, I guess. And the singles did really good. They reached top 10 in both pop and R&B charts. And then in the year 2000, Cameron worked with music executive Tommy Latola and released his second album, Sex Drugs, no, not Sex Drugs, wrong, wrong thing, <laughs> Sports <laughs> Drugs and Entertainment. And the popular singles on the song were Let Me Know, which was like a diss track towards Jay-Z, which is really funny because we're going to get to kind of like the history behind this album and what the world means to you. And then in 2001, he signed the Rockefeller, which is really funny. Cause like Rockefeller is the, the label with like Jay-Z and all that. And uh, he signed with, uh, he was signed by Damon Dash, who was Cameron's uh, childhood, fitter, childhood friend. And the deal was like reportedly supposed to be like $4.5 million. And the first single that he released on the album was Oh Boy and it's produced by Jess Blaze featuring Jules Santana. And a month later on May 14th, 2002, Come Home With Me was released. And I just want to put out, out there, the, the baby on uh, the cover is Cameron's son. So I just want to put that out there. And the producers on the album are Ty Fifi. I don't know who that is. Just Blaze, Precision, Leland, Robinson, Mike T, Ray, Ray Watkins, 
Resonance, I think it is. You are period, Mafia Boy, Neek Rocher, Kanye West, BPM. The guest appearances on the album are DJ K Slay, Jewel Santana, Daz Dillinger from uh, Dog Pound, Tiffany Carlin, Jim Jones, Jay-Z, Freaky Ziki, who is Cameron's cousin, Toya, McGruff, Benny Siegel, and Memphis Bleak. The singles on the album are Oh Boy, Hey Ma, and Daydreaming. I don't know if Daydreaming has a music video. I'll, I'll have to check it out after I finish the album review. But I know the Oh Boy and Hey Ma definitely have an album review. I mean, not an album review, but a music video. So we get to the first track on the album, intro produced by Ty Fifi featuring DJ K Slay. So he's, so he's basically like welcoming the listener like back to like, like to his next album and all that. And he's just talking shit about like a girl and all that. I was worried that the whole song would just be like, a, um, just like him talking and shit, but he actually drops a verse. It's like a 16 bar verse. Actually, this is not a bad song. I actually really like this beat. So those are my thoughts on this. Oh yeah, I would agree. I like, cause I saw that like the name of it is just like intro. Yeah. I was kind of worried it was going to be a skit or something and like, like I would probably say like half of this half of the track is a skit. But uh, and then uh Cameron then like kind of drops a verse. I was kind of getting worried that it was just gonna be a skit because the beat's actually really good. And I was like, don't waste this beat on Same. some skit. Um yeah. so I was glad that he dropped a verse um to to just kind of make sure that uh that the beat does not get wasted on on uh, any like skits or anything like that and like you'll find throughout the album that there are no like songs dedicated to just skits but there will be like skits within songs and this is just like the first example of that throughout the uh, throughout the album and also another thing that is going to be a very common theme throughout the album is that they definitely talk shit about women a lot in this album so so definitely, if you're gonna listen to this album, that's definitely <laughs> a warning about that. That uh, you know, women don't exactly, you know, come out on top of, uh, in this album. Just just let people know. Yeah, no pun intended, right? <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's glad that you brought that up too about you saying interlude. I didn't even point that out either. That intros were a part of songs. But yeah, I appreciate you for pointing that out. I totally forgot about that. Thank you. All right. So we get to track number two, Losing Weight Part Two, produced by Just Blaze featuring Julius Santana. I think Julius Santana is like Cameron's like prodigy. I know they're part of the Dipset album group, not the album group. What the fuck am I saying? Rap group. There you go. And there was a part one that was on uh, sports, drugs, and entertainment. That featured Prodigy. I actually like the sports, drugs, and entertainment one better than this one, but this one's not that bad. I actually like this one. So the story behind this album, not the album, but the song is that Cameron liked the beat because it sounded like the intro beat to the Dynasty album, which was the Jay-Z album. It came out like the same year, like 2000, 2002-ish, around that whole ballpark. And so the song's just talking about drug dealing, like losing weight's like a drug term and all that. I, I forget what it means though, but I know it has to do with drug dealing. I think this is a dope song. I just love how dramatic and cinematic the beat is. And I did write down some lyrics uh, from Cameron. Bitches and renegades, she'll piss in your lemonade. 
So she went across the street, gave him a kiss, stuck her tongue out, flirted, played with his dick. That was from <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fucking camera, dude. And then from Jules Santana. Keep your mouth locked, screwed, and glued for shots from the Ruger. Ducal, duke, ducal circle around your body like a hula hoop. So I just thought that was funny. So yeah, those are my thoughts on it. Well, this song definitely has like that classic 2000s New York sound. Um, you know, I wouldn't describe this like the song as like, I would not describe like the lyricism as like crazy amazing or anything, but um, like again, like it's very good at just like describing what's going on and uh, it goes really well with like the beat that's very dramatic with the uh, with, like the piano sound um you know it's very uh you know roc sound uh to it so uh you could definitely easily hear uh you know jay-z hop on this beat real quick um so that's pretty much my thoughts on it yeah what you're gonna notice is there's like a lot of themes of like cinematic vibes to the album so it kind of gives it like that like early 2000s like new york sound like west side said So we get to track number three, which is Oh Boy, produced by Just Blaze, another Just, ba Just Blaze banger. And this is featuring Jules Santana once again. This is by far one of Cameron's like biggest singles after Hey Ma, because Hey Ma is his biggest single. So Boy is a slang term for cocaine. This is like a braggadocial song talking about buying things with like cocaine money. So the history behind this was originally the beat was meant for Memphis Bleak. And there was like a drawing behind the song also because Jay-Z wanted to say the beat because he already finished like his uh, the Blueprint 2 album, which came out in 2002, the same year. So he wanted to say the beat for like a year later when he did his other album. So it would probably been on like the Black album or something like that because the Black album came out in like 2003. So he was on the remix for Oh Boy, but like his verse was like dissing uh, Nas. So Cameron asked like young guru who's like the the engineer to like delete um jay-z's verse because he did not like i guess he didn't like him dissing nos or something like that. i guess him or nos were cool and what more can i say about the song that has never that has not been said already i think this is a really dope song this is definitely a classic song like i hear this song all the time on the radio it never gets old and yeah my favorite lyrics are santana's that boy that squeeze hammers oh boy can't Cannons and bandanas, blamers, we don't brandish. Blam at your man's canvas, then scram with your man's lead, leaded. And I'm back with my boy. That's from Jules Santana and then from Cameron. Until that man is banished away in the Grand Canyon, these kids are grandstanding. Niggas demand ransom over them grams. Scrambling, boy, 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 boy. Well, fuck it. Bandama, cam camel, blam, blam him. Call up his boy, I'm down. South Tanny. So I just thought those were, I just like the rhyming scheme on there. Just like the back and forth, like chemistry that they have. I think they really, I think Jules, Santana, and Cameron work good together because they can always like bounce each other. They could just kind of like, like bounce lyrics off each other and go back and forth. So I really like this song. So for me, I, I, this song didn't uh, overly excite me too much. Um, 
my main issue with it was that like they just they used the oh boy sample that they used they just overused it a lot in my opinion um they just i feel like i just it's like burned into my brain um the sample like i feel like they played it way too many times that like, they just kind of put it into the verse a lot and um so overall for me this track uh is probably it's definitely not one of my favorites on this album. Yeah, and that broke my heart, man. God damn it. <laughs> All right, I see how it is, man. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're off to a good start already, too. <laughs> so we get to track number four, which is Live My Life, Leave Me Alone, produced by Precision, featuring Daz Dylan. Fuck this song, dude. What the hell, man? This is uh, the same beat as Tupac's ambition as a writer. This is like a bastardization of the beat. I don't know why Dallas Dillinger hopped on it. That was his beat that he produced too, which is really, the hook is trash too. There's like a skip in the, this is definitely a skippable song. I don't know why you'd ruin a classic, dude. Cameron does not fit good on West Coast beats. Like it flows off with the beat because the beat's like really slow. I don't know how to describe it, but you, you'll just have to see for yourself. Like the beat is good. I, I, all right. I, I like the, the original beat is good. This one's kind of trash. I don't know what, what he was doing there. You know, someone, I was like watching, a, I was actually looking at an album review for this. And someone said, this is like mixtape quality. <laughs> I definitely have to agree with this, man. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on this. I don't know why they would ruin a classic song. Man. That's what I hate when rappers do. They just rap on like a, a classic beat. It sounds like dog shit, man, honestly. Those are my thoughts on it. I don't fucking saw it. Yeah, I'm not. I don't. I don't like this one either, personally. Um, you know, if you're gonna, you know, hop on a, a classic beat like this one, uh, "Ambitions as a Writer" by Tupac, which is a beat. Um, yeah. Man, you gotta. You really have to. You know, you really have to like blow it out of the ballpark. You can't make an okay song with. Uh, yeah. When you're just when you're gonna use the exact same beat, they didn't just sample it and like put a little bit of part of it in, in the in the song. They used the whole beat, mm -hmm. and uh, you know if you're gonna do that, man, you need to kind of you know pay a little pay pay homage to it a little bit. And um, you know I didn't really overly hear that too much on this, and um, you know like had it not been such a classic song that they were using the track would be all right um yeah but the problem is is that all is that okay doesn't get the job done when you're gonna when you're doing a classic beat right. um so this song i i definitely agree with you kind of definitely falls flat yeah i don't know why i know you're trying to pay homage to pop listen I, you guys know i'm not the biggest pop fan but I think Pac did a hell of a lot better job than Cameron did, you know? Like, this fits Pac's vibe. This does not fit Cameron's vibe. Cameron, no. it's more of like the cinematic, like, dramatic type of beats. Like, this is way too slow for him, you know? Yeah, Cameron needs to be on Rockefeller beats, not Death yeah. Row beats. Exactly, yeah. Leave Death Row the hell along. You know? <laughs> Leave it alone. Yeah. Yeah, those are our thoughts. I, I'm glad we can agree on that shit. Because I knew you were not going to like it. <laughs> yeah. So we get to another another song, uh, track number five, 
and this is produced by Leland Robertson, Mike T, Ray Watkins, and Kanye West. So three people. I don't know why there's three people on a beat, but who knows? And this is featuring Tiffany Carlin. And this is another love song. I'm not the biggest fan of this song. I'll be honest, man. I think this is another skippable song. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I feel like the sample chorus doesn't really match up with like the instrumental. That could be me. And I think this song is way too long. It's six minutes and 30 seconds, man. And this is the edited version. So they kind of bleep out the cuss words. Those are kind of my thoughts on it. I don't really fuck with this song. So for me with this song, like I, I'm a fan of the beat, but for me, like the lyrics just don't, you know, they just don't go they just for me like 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 uh like I said that I'm a fan of the beat but the lyrics just don't do much for me. Uh, yeah. and like one thing that I just found kind of funny listening to a track so like he there's in the chorus he lists off like different places to go on vacation. Yeah and he's saying Italy, Sicily, and then he says after like those two like classy places, he says Disney World. <laughs> and I'm like, Disney World, this is it's just I don't know. It's just kind of a random lyric Magic to me that was just... Disney World in the same realm as Italy, but okay. Um, so, and like, also like, when he puts in Disney World, it just like, the way he says Disney just doesn't fit the rhyming scheme very well. Like, he's like, yeah. Disney. And it's like, uh... Yeah, so over like the beat of this song is actually really good, but you know the lyrics just—if you take out the beat, the lyrics just don't go very well for me. Yeah, I, I can see that too. So we can all agree, the songs—it's all right. Yeah, it's way too freaking long though. Six minutes and thirty. It is seconds. long. It is very long. It does um, that weird thing at pause. the end where the girls like singing and shit. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, there's like this part at the end where like the girl, it takes a long, she's like singing forever, it seems like. I'm not sure, I don't know how to describe it, but like in the beginning, it's kind of like this long ass intro, you know, out, long ass singing outro, you know, I'm not, I'm not really a fan of it, but you know, yeah, it is what it is, man. So we get to a way better song. So we have two clunkers so far, at least for me. I know it's three clunkers for you, though. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so track number six, Come Home With Me, produced by Resonus, featuring Jim Jones and Jewel Santana of the Dipset. Of Dipset. And now this is a palate cleanser, like I said, because the two other songs are just mediocre. And one was like a bastardization of like Tupac and shit. But this is a dope ass song. I love the beat. Um, it's inviting you, it's inviting the listener to your environment. You no, know, to, yeah, like um, Jim Jones, Cameron, and Jules Santana's environment, which is Carlos was talking about like the struggles he had to go to, go through like the upbringing and what happened to Carlos. I think this is a dope song. I thought this was produced by Just Blaze, but it actually wasn't, surprisingly, because it has like his name all over it, beat wise, I should say. And I do have favorite lyrics. So I got some from uh, Cameron, come home with me where my mother found my cracked platter, threw it away. So I snapped at her, back slapped her. She picked up a bat like McGuire. Come home, come on home with me where 
they rap and be flossing where I be they can to have abortion money brain bring back extortion caution ain't no tracking an orphan relax in a coffin so come home with me where a nigga make starbucks i'm about to cop starbucks <laughs> i reverse all hard luck and then i got one from jewel santana come home with me where these bitches is brought frauds niggas don't listen to broads they having you sit in sitting in court for kids that ain't yours kids don't trick or treat they get tricks for treating. And then I think it's from Jim Jones, come come on home with me where grandmothers are 30. So I just thought that was really funny. It's kind of sad too, but it's really like witty at the same time. So I really like this song. This is definitely my top five. Uh, I definitely agree with you. This song definitely is refreshing from the last few songs. Uh, I thought that this song was really good. Uh, and just like how descriptive they get, uh, you know, with how they're describing East Harlem, where they're from. And um, I feel like, you know, like this song just has a, a very cla like classic ROC sound to it, for sure. Um, yeah. So that, like, once again, a, definitely a beat that Jay-Z would hop on in a second. Um, and it would sound really good. Um, and like, in this one, he brings that, like he's really representing Harlem in this one. Um, but, you know, I always like it when, you know, artists represent where they're from. And yeah. uh, this is definitely a good example of a song like that, where he's representing where he's from. And um, so, yeah, this is definitely also one of my favorite songs on the album. All right. I'm glad we can agree on that. It's funny that you bring it up. Jay-Z is actually on the next song, which brings us to track number seven, Welcome to New York City, produced by Just Blaze, featuring Jay-Z and Jewel Santana. So the story behind the song is that Cam wanted Jay-Z on the song. It's funny because him and Jay-Z had like beef like two years ago, a year ago. And Jules had a verse. He's like writing it down, but he saw like Jay and Cam in the studio and he's like, fuck that. He could not like compete with them. So he just decided to do the hook. And I love the hell out of this beat, man. It's very cinematic. I just like the chemistry between Jay-Z and Cam. They really fit each other, complement each other's style like the rhyming scheme and all that, just like the multi-syllabic rhyming scheme. And this is this is definitely like a dramatic cinematic beat. And I did write down some lyrics. I'm a BK brawler, Marcy Project, Hallway Loiter, Pure Coke Copper, get your order up. I bring them to the Baltimore Ford Explorer, but it's gonna cost you more if I gotta get them to Florida Rucker, game with tender with the bent parked on the sidewalk, the tent plates on the fender. I ain't hard to find, you catch me front and center at the Nick game, big chain and all my splendor. Next to the, next to Spike, if you pan left to right, I own Madison Square, catch me at the fight with Cam once again. If I, plan, if I pan left of his ice, it be the man that write, that write checks with the hand that don't write. I go off the head when I'm, rambling on the mic and I throw off beds when I'm scrambling at night and it was often said I brought hammers to the fight that was from Jay-Z and then from Cam yo there's a war going on outside no man is safe from word it don't matter if you're three three feet or eight one so he's paying homage to uh Mob Deep's survival of the fittest so I kind of like that so definitely in my top five yeah this is also a really strong track I really like 
is like you said the the lyricism is really good by both jay-z and cameron um but i guess like i guess like my only like slight beef with the song is that i'm not like the biggest fan of the chorus but yeah. the verses are just super strong uh, and so for me what really carries the song are jay-z and cameron for sure um just doing their thing and uh, just like just like just like creating just really good lyricism and just creating really good verses. So for me, that's what really creates the song. And it also, you know, it, it fits the title. It's a very New York sound and they're both representing where they're from with Jay-Z being from Brooklyn and um, Cameron being from Harlem. So they both, you know, they both represent where they're from really well in the song also. Um, so yeah, this is definitely a strong song on the album. Yeah, speaking of Jay-Z, I wish he was more on the album, but you know, is what it is. You know, I definitely think Jay-Z and Cam and Jewel Santana are probably the best features on this album, in my opinion. You know, they just kind of complement Cameron's style. So we I feel to, like uh, yeah. uh go ahead. You you can go to the next song. Sorry. No, no, no. What were you saying? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say that, like, you know, I guess, like, a spoiler alert is that, like, Jules Santana's on this album a lot. It's almost yeah. kind of like the whole, like, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre kind of deal where, like, you know, Snoop Dogg's, like, on every other song, really. So it's kind of like a similar situation with this album. Yeah. It, like, that's a good point that you brought up. I definitely think this is, like, a Jules Santana and Cameron album. It's like a... Yeah dual album but I, I definitely like Jewel Santana I might be in the minority but I really appreciate his contributions I think he's a I think he's a good rapper in my opinion you know? yeah I, I agree that I think his uh his contributions definitely add to the album and uh instead of like you know taking it away from it, it he definitely adds to it really well exactly this dude was young too he was I want to say he was he was like He's 20 years old at the time, which is crazy. Because he was born in 82. He just got released from prison, too, this year, which is really funny. <laughs> you know, welcome home, Joel Santana. Welcome home. So we get to track number eight, which came off, produced by DR Period. I think DR Period produced some stuff from MOP back in the day and Mafia Boy. So those are the two producers featuring DJ Slay. I didn't hear DJ Slay. I might have not picked up on him, but I didn't hear him. Drew Santana, Freaky Ziki, and Toya. This is by far Cameron's biggest single up to date. And used the Easy by Commodore sample. Everyone knows that sample. They just kind of like slowed it down and all that. It's definitely a commercial song. You could kind of hear it in, in the, uh, the tone, like the instrumental and all that. I actually really fuck with this. This is like one of the, I'll say one, one of the better ex primary examples of like a commercial sound, commercial song sounding really good, in my opinion. I could, I might be wrong, I don't know. And the song is just talking about girls and I did write down some lyrics. So this is from Jewel Santana. Yo, now I want, I was downtown clubbing ladies night, seen Shorty, she was crazy, right? And I approached baby like, my what's the age and type? She looked at me and said, you use, use a baby, right? I told her I'm 18 and live a crazy life. Plus, I'll tell you what the 80s like. And I know what the ladies like. Need a man that's polite, listen to takes advice. I could be all three. Plus, I can lay the pipe. <laughs> come come with me. Come stay the night. She 
looked at me, laughed, and like, boy, your game's tight. Yo, uh, now I now that I got a girl, my ex wanna holler and spit. Me, no, that okay, I should have. So that was from Jules and then from Cameron. Yo, uh, now I got a girl, my ex wanna holler and spit, told me to acknowledge her quick. She like can't stop fronting on that Dave Hollister tip. Come over, let's swallow it and sip. I'm like, Ma, it's sick. I promise you, Dick. Usually I have usually I have a problem fixed. Why? They all say I'm rotten rich, but not not her boobies real high heel doobie feel. Plus got them Gucci nails. You a cutie still. And this this my town girl too. Ain't no groupie deal. We up the movies with Uzi, Suzuki wheels to the jacuzzi. I tell you my boobies real. It's from camera. I really like their rhyming scheme in here. I think it's very like funny, witty and clever how they throw like double entendres and all that. So for me, I feel like this song has a really good chorus. This chorus is really yeah. strong. Um, and the lyricism, I also have to agree, is really good, too. Um, the only thing that I would say kind of like takes away from the song for me is that I would have liked to have heard the song uh, sped up a little bit. I feel like it was going a little too slow. Yeah. Um, especially, I felt like Cameron's flow could have been a tad bit, just like not like super fast, but just a little bit faster. Um, I felt like he was kind of, uh, you know, I just felt like he was going a little too slow on the beat a little bit. So yeah, that's that, that's pretty much my only beef with the song. All right. So we get to track number nine, On Fire Tonight, produced by Ty Fifi, featuring Freaky Ziki. And there's an intro, which is a phone call. It's entertaining as hell. I was like laughing when I was like writing down notes for this, because I think this shit was really funny. <laughs> So Cameron got like STDs from a girl because he didn't put on a condom. And he was like yelling at the girl and the girl's like being a bitch to him and shit. She's like, just getting like medication and all that, you know. And he's all like yelling. They're like going back and forth. I think it's really funny. And the song, I don't really care for it. I know it's kind of like a safe sex message or something like that. The song to me, the instrumental sounds like a very generic like 1980s, 1990s R&B song. And there, there was like a verse that I liked in here. I'll, I'll put it. Uh, I need a girl that can sting like Selena, ass like Trina, tits like Janet, get beat like Tina. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. Have you seen her? I mean, I mean, cake like Oprah, chauffeur, keep the toaster in the holster. I was like, cake like Oprah. <laughs> Other than that, I don't really care for the song. I think the chorus is kind of corny. The beat's kind of corny for me, so this is skippable. But that line did have me, though. I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this song is, like, it's out of the whole entire album. This is, like, the corniest fucking song. Uh, it's just, it's, uh, so it's definitely about uh, STDs. Um, hence, fire tonight, you know, it's burning when he pees. Um, <laughs> you know, and for me, I definitely did not, uh, I was not, I, I'm, I'm with me and Katie on this one. It's just not, this song just didn't do it for me. Uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just, uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, if I had to give it some points, I would probably say it's a good message. 
to you know wear condoms condoms are very good things to use um so it prevents you from you know contracting stds and other just yeah so the message is good they're in their hearts in the right place but geez why is the song so freaking corny it didn't have to be so corny uh, to get this the same message across um so yeah i would have i'm fine with the message i like the message but the the just the corniness needs to be tuned down a little bit because it sounds like an r&b song mm-hmm. right like like you said and but it's like it just comes off as really weird it just comes off as really corny when he's talking about how his like penis is going to be on fire tonight <laughs> from the std <laughs> dude that's just so like it's comedic but like as for a song it's more sounds like an ad for like some medication or some shit but like um but yeah yeah uh i'm with you i I, i'm not gonna go back and re-listen to it or anything like that yeah it sounds like another song that i heard in the 90s i don't remember the name i don't know if it was like invoke someone like that i don't remember i have to go back i'll probably remember at the end yeah so actually i just want to bring this out that this song was tied to hey moss i think what happened is he got with the girl and the girl gave her aids because like in the beginning, you kind of hear like a snippet from the end of Hey Ma. Did you pick that up? I don't. I don't think I really like. I don't know. For some reason, for me, like I felt like um, it was almost a little bit connected to the next song too. But yeah. uh, I'm glad that you picked that up because I didn't pick up that up uh, on the listen I did for the review tonight. Mm-hmm. So we get to track number 10, which is Stop Calling, produced by Ty Fifi, featuring Freaky Ziki and McGruff. It's an okay song. I'm not a fan of the hook. It's just like them talking talking about having sex with a man's girl. And this is actually, the sequel song is actually Girls on Purple Haze. So we're going to actually cover that album after we do, I think, top five hip-hop groups. And then we go from there. So... I'm going to say something else about the song. Um, stop calling. It's funny how it like, does like a 180 for the message. Like this one's not <laughs> practicing safe sex and this one's just talking about having sex with a man. Fucking girl. I, that shit's funny though. But there are some funny lyrics though. Uh, well, I'm tell, I'll tell you straight up, homeboy, because it's cold world. Your wife, a, a cog... Call her old girl. Her head makes my no my toes curl. That was from Cam. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. And then from McRuff, um, tell you about your hoe. She's a bitch. Came right between her lips. You thinking I'm fronting? She got a birth my no birthmark between her tits. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Other than this, I don't really care for the song. Yeah, I just have to point out those tidbits. This song is is like super explicit, um, you know. As you can tell by these lyrics, you know it's very explicit. You know, I would not, you know, if you have some, you know, really, you know, overly religious family over or something, I would not play this song for them. Um, Skip on fire tonight, also. <laughs> yeah, don't play like pretty much. 
Yeah, these last two songs don't play this around ultra, like really conservative family or just, you know, this is definitely not the, this is not the song to introduce them to Cameron with. Um, and uh, just like you said, it's pretty much about this girl who, you know, that they're pretty much arguing about this girl and, uh, you know, as you could tell, very explicit and uh, clearly he knows this girl very well. Um, <laughs> So yeah, um, as for like the lyricism, it's pretty. It's it, the lyricism is strong. Um, it's just really explicit. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the beat and the chorus could have been a lot better, in my opinion. But it's okay song. I think it's better than on fire tonight. I would yeah, I, I would agree that it's better than on fire tonight. On fire tonight for me it was just a really big swing and a miss for me. <laughs> No pun intended, right? <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. So we get to track number eight. No, track number eight. What the fuck? Track number 11. God damn it, man. I'm so fucking tired. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called I Just Want to Produce by Ty Fifi and Nick Rusher. Definitely way better song than the two that we listed. This is featuring Jewel Santana. Dope song. I like the beat. That's pretty much it. So for me, I think I really like this song. Um, and I really like the lyricism. I feel like the the rhyming scheme for this song is really good. Um, and like the beat uh, is really, it just works really well with Cameron's flow. Um, this is definitely one of my favorite songs on the album. Agreed. It didn't make my top five, but I think this is a dope song. So we get to track number 12, which is Dead or Alive, produced by Kanye West, featuring Jim Jones. I think this is a dope song. I like the chipmunk soul beat and like chorus. Yeah. Uh, I feel like for me, the lyricism is really good. Um, like I think that like the lyricism is just really top notch. Um, normally, I, I really like chipmunk soul, but yeah. for me, for some reason, I, I just wasn't. I, this one just didn't do much for me with the, it just, I felt like the dead or alive part was a little too high pitched. Um, and like this, I don't know if it sounded soul or if it sounded more like blues to me. Um, so for me, lyricism's good, but the beat, uh, I would have gone back and changed it. If, if it was me, I would have changed the beat a little bit. Yeah. I can see that. It didn't make my top five, but I think. Yeah, this didn't make my top five either. So we get to track number 13, The Rock, Just Fire, produced by Just Blaze, featuring Benny Siegel, Memphis Bleak. So there's some, I'm going to get to the history and then I'll get my thoughts afterwards. So there's like some history behind it where this is like the beginning and the end for Just Blaze and Dame Dash relationship. Because, um, <clears throat> so they had like a falling out because of this song, actually. So, so Dame wanted Bleak off the record because he wanted he wanted Bleak to kind of be like the LL Cool J. And this is uh, I'm just kind of quoting. I'm just kind of summarizing the quote that um Just Blaze had. And like Just Blaze was like Memphis Bleak killed it and stuff. And he was just like they're just arguing and shit. And uh, what what else was there? Yeah, so he was just giving him examples of songs that LL did that were like braggadocial, like I shot you, I'm bad, can't live without my radio. 
and he like spoke of vocally for Memphis Bleak because Memphis Bleak wasn't in that room. He didn't really hear anything about that. And so what, what happened was that he's like, we fought on the record. I remember saying to him, you've always said that you're not a music dude, you're a business dude. So why are you getting involved in the music? So yeah, that was what Jewel, not Jules Santana, but Just Blaze said, is that they just kind of had a falling out. Cause I think, yeah, Memphis Bleak, Dame Dash wanted to market like Memphis Bleak as like the LL Cool J, kind of like the smooth dude. And, like Memphis Bleak versus like very grimy and shit, like very street shit. But yeah, that, that's a very interesting story. I'm glad I, I looked it up on Genius, so yeah. And I think this beat is fucking bananas, dude. This is definitely top five for me. And I did write down some favorite lyrics. So for Memphis Bleak first, turn bags with bladders, legs to wheels, pain in the pills, cause he fucking with nigga that'll jump out, wave the steel, I live this way, it's real dog. It's no joke, blow smoke in your bitch face, piss on your wheels, out to Memphis Bleak. And then from um, Benny Siegel, he pays homage to um, Cypress Hill in the song Killer Man. He's like, here is something you can't understand. How could I just kill a man for killer cam? Me and my rock killer fam, top billers, man. We run the spots, drop ceilings, fam. Hit the wall, drop ceiling fans. Listen, boy, man. I show you how to fill a fan up with the killers, man. That was from Benny Siegel. And then from Cam, I'm a third little piggy. I'm a fuck with their bricks. So I just thought it was a funny funny line because he was actually the third person. Yeah, I actually had the third third verse and all of that too. So I just thought it was interesting. So I definitely fucked with the song. I wish Jay-Z was on this, but they just can't be choosers, I guess. Yeah. I would definitely agree. I would have liked to have heard Jay Z on this song because, um, like, I just felt like this beat could have just was just made for him, and it's very RLC. Um, yeah, obviously, it really fits the title, um, and uh, you just you could just tell that, like, you know, even though Jay Z's not on the track, Jay Z definitely had a big hand in you know making this song and making this whole album because um, you could just hear. You know, the Rockefeller sound just echoing through this whole album, and especially in this song. Yeah, I agree with you, too. And I, it's funny that we brought up Jay-Z, because uh, Memphis Bleak is actually Jay-Z's, like, prodigy, because he was, he was featured on the song Coming of Age, which was on 1996 Reasonable Doubt album. And he was 16 at the time, too, which is really crazy. Not, not, not during this album, but during the making of... Um, um, what's it called? Reasonable doubt. So just want to put that out there. I don't know why Jay Z wasn't on there. It's really sad. I, I wish he was on there. He would have definitely spiced up the song a lot, you know. Yeah, I think so. Too. I would agree. You know, this is his label, and the Rockefeller is his family. You know, so I don't know why. I just wonder if, like, maybe he didn't want to like pull like your like typical like uh like you know if you're an artist and you're also like the owner or major part of a label, you don't want to like loom over everybody sometimes. I don't know, maybe that's maybe that's why he wasn't on this track. He just doesn't want to, uh, he wants his, I wonder if he just wants his artists to just kind of have their own career separate from the label. I don't know, this possibility. Yeah, no, I, I heard like a lot of bad stuff about D. Like he screwed over like a lot of people. He kind of has like an ego. So I don't know why he wouldn't want to be on this song. 
That's from what I heard. Because he kind of screwed over Memphis Bleak and he screwed over um, a mill. And I think he screwed over Benny Siegel. I might be wrong about Benny Siegel, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I definitely like their rhyming schemes on here. I think for me, I, I would want to say it's kind of tough who has the best first. I might go with like, it's between Benny Siegel and Memphis Bleak, definitely. But I, I might go with Benny Siegel just for his rhyming scheme because I really liked his rhyming scheme on here. And I like Cameron was also commenting on Benny Siegel. It's like I don't I don't know what the hell like rhyming scheme Benny Siegel is trying to do. <laughs> so that's funny. So we get to track number 14, Boy Boy, produced by Resonance. A better resonance beat than fucking what was that beat? Dead or Alive? No, was it produced by Dead or Hold up. Dead or Alive was produced by Kanye. No, not Dead or Alive, uh, God damn it. Um no, live, live my no, live my life was produced by a president. I I got the wrong person. Position, my bad. So yeah, resonance. Okay, thank you. So I think this is another bang. And I did write down some um, lyrics from Cameron. Cat like you call you a gladiator. Give her oral, and you happy. Glad he ate her. Stupid. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Only Cameron would say shit like this. <laughs> This shit's funny. <laughs> God damn, I like the song though. I I even like the chorus. I know it probably probably is annoying, but I actually like the chorus a lot. So for me, yeah, I like the song. I thought the song was really good. Um, once again, it had a really Rockefeller sound to it. Uh, just like I said, Rockefeller is just really all over this album. Yeah. Um, like, there's no doubt about like. You know, when I first started listening to this, I like you know I don't know too much about Cameron, um, so but like when I heard it, I was like, when I first heard like the first song, I was like, dang, this sounds like something Jay Z would be on, and then like, uh, then like I kind of started looking, uh, like looking up Cameron and all that stuff while I was listening to this album, and I was like, oh, he's on RLD, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense, um, <laughs> so. Yeah, and this, I, I like the song too. Um, and I really liked, I think I, what I really found really good, exceptional about the song is I really liked the rhyming scheme. One thing that like yeah. uh, I, uh, that I really like about the song is that the rhyming schemes are really strong. I agree. People give Cameron shit for his rhyming scheme, but I actually like them. Yeah, his writing schemes are pretty strong, and uh, that that will definitely be reflected in my review. Agreed. So we get to the last track on here, track number fifteen, "Tomorrow," produced by BPM, and this song is uh, no, the first verse is dedicated to his uh, his camp, his uh, cousin Bloodshed, and it's, yeah, I actually like this song. Yeah, pretty much it. Yeah, this song is really good. It's definitely got like a really emotional sound to it. Um, it's also like the chorus has definitely got heavy R&B mm -hmm. um, influence to it. No, it's not like corny R&B. It's actually like really good. It really fits the song and the subject matter that goes with the song. Um, so I definitely agree. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. I thought that this song was super strong and the it's pro. I think it might be like one of like, I think it's like the only like really truly introspective songs on the 
Yeah, it is. It's one where I guess like it's vulnerable. I guess another. I, I guess um, come home with me is also a little bit introspective, but I don't think. Yeah. But like tomorrow is definitely like the most just like really introspective uh, song on the album. I don't know why the the song is called Tomorrow. Do you know why? Uh, because he's because like he's talking about people who had um like passed away and stuff, and he's kind of like saying like and like in the chorus is they're saying like tomorrow's not promised. So and like so and like people dying around him is just like a reminder to a lot of people that like you know you know if you know like when people die, you realize that men you know tomorrow's not promised. You know. Yeah. All right, so, thank yeah, you for bringing that up. I don't even know why. Thank you. Yeah, so I think this is very a strong song to end on. So you start on like, I always like when artists start on no end on like emotional song. It kind of brings the album to like a, a really nice, sweet, like closing. You know, that's what I. Kind yeah, of yeah. It's kind of like the exact opposite of our last review. But like the last review just ended with just not. <laughs> the best ending at all our remix um whereas this one ends like really well and like it's like the perfect ending song in my opinion agreed so whoever did like the track listing whoever was in charge and ordering like you know like because like people always like there's people who like they they ordered the songs in for a reason so whoever did that whether it was cameron or uh you know the mixers or whoever um they did a really good job at making sure like they ended strongly and the, the the order was really well done. I want to say the executive producer does like the order the track listing. I could be yeah. wrong. Though. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. whoever did it definitely did a good job and um, you know, they had good songs paired up with each other next to each other to kind of like tell like a little mini story within the album and also they made sure to pick a good song to end on. I agree. So yeah, that concludes the track listing. Do you have any final thoughts on any of the songs that you want to say? Uh, it could be any of them. On any of the songs, like not not on the whole album, just on any of the songs. Yeah, any of the yeah any of the songs, like yeah. Um, I would say like if I had to comment on it, like I guess like my main comments would be like on the track listing is that the track listing is pretty strong. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much my thoughts on like any kind of song, whatever. So yeah. Okay. All right. So that concludes the track listing review of the track list. Yeah, the track listing review of "Come Home with Me" by Cameron. So I'm gonna let you first go first for your closing thoughts, your rating, your top five songs, and if you buy or burn out. So. Uh, when listening to the song, you should definitely expect a very Rockefeller song, especially like early 2000s Rockefeller. Um, you know, the beats could easily be made for Jay Z. Um, uh, you know, for me, the album had moments where it definitely was kind of it had its weaker moments where maybe the beat just had like some annoying element to it. Yeah. Um, so, and then um and sometimes i feel like some of the songs kind of lack something like maybe like the flow should have been a little bit different um you know so i guess like so so there are certain parts that were not very strong like maybe like certain beats were not my favorite or maybe certain flows are not my favorite 
But one thing that I will say was pretty good throughout the whole album was the lyricism and the rhyming schemes. I feel like all of those were always, you know, those, those are really always on point. Um, that was never an issue. Um, you know, like some, certain tracks, maybe like they didn't have the most crazy best lyrics where like, you know, the rhyming scheme was just like the most crazy or just like the craziest lyricism, but it all, the flow was always good. But sometimes if the flow wasn't good, the lyricism would kind of make up for it sometimes. So, um, so yeah, lyricism was never really an issue. Um, and then for my rating, I'd probably give it a 7.5 out of 10. Um, and then I would say stream it. Um, I would not make this an automatic buy. Um, and for my top five songs, for five is I Just Wanna, four is Welcome to New York City, three is Come Home With Me, uh, two is losing weight, part two, and number one is tomorrow. Okay, can can you repeat that one more time? The the top five. Yeah. So five is just is I just wanna. Okay. Four is welcome to New York City. Yeah. Three is come home with me. Yeah. Two is losing weight, part two, and number one is tomorrow. All right, perfect. We have a couple of songs in there together. All right. All right. So my closing thoughts on here, I think Come Home With Me uh, by Cameron is a solid and good and above average album. The production is good at most times. And there's a lot of, there's a hell of a lot like guest appearance. I think he only had like three or two songs by himself, but the guest appearances don't bother me. A lot of people give like album shit where it's just like marked with like guest appearances. But I don't, I think the guest appearances for the most part were strong. And I really appreciate, like I said, Jules Santana's incorporation. He's definitely like a worthy opponent to be on Cam's level. I just really like their chemistry. I mean, Jay-Z and, and Jules Santana are definitely the highlights feature-wise feature for um, Come Home With Me. I also like Memphis Bleak on there. Memphis Bleak and Benny Siegel. But I think they have like, like I said, Cameron, Jules Santana, and... Jay-Z have really good chemistry together. I wish more Jay-Z was on there, but it would be more of a Jay-Z album, right? <laughs> but, yeah. I might get lynched for this, but I really like Cameron as a rapper. I know people shit on him. I know he's not on Nas's level, but I think he's good enough. I definitely like his rhyme scheme. He definitely has a lot of punchlines in his, his rhyming. He definitely has like a lot of double entendres and polysyllabic rhyming style, rhyme, rhyming style, I should say. Um... The, produ the production's like very cinematic, dramatic in a good way. It's very grandiose. That's like, like uh, West Side said, it's a very Rockefeller album, Rockefeller sounding album, if that makes sense. And the problems of the album do become apparent. The production, it kind of leans towards like commercial, commercial audience to like, what the fuck were they thinking? Like, like mixtape quality, <laughs> like that dumbass song. Yeah. Um, yeah, even the radio songs are actually good. Like, I know a boy and I know you hate a boy, but I actually like a boy <laughs> and hey mom. I think those are actually good. They actually did make my top five. And there were some like filler, mediocre, unnecessary songs on there that would just fill up space that could have been trimmed. And like, it's like this weird thing, I guess, where they did a sequence where they had like really good songs in a row and then they'd have like two really 
bad songs or mediocre songs and then go back to a good song. I'm not sure if you noticed that, but it's kind of like that weird ass order where they have like really good songs and then they have like two bad songs and then they'll go back to the really good. I'm not sure if you noticed yeah, that. Yeah, I noticed that a little bit too as we were reviewing. Yeah, I, I noticed that. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I think sometimes the album can be totally inconsistent at times just because there's like a lot of clunkers on here, like four out of um, 15 clunkers. So I would give the album probably, I can't settle on it. So I'll go seven to 7.5, oh boys out of 10. <laughs> but I, I, might, I might just go for 7.5. I'll just go 7.5, oh boys out of 10. So for top five songs, I would do, I would say, Hey Ma, number four, Oh Boy, number three, Come Home With Me, number two, The Rock, Just Fire, and then number one, Welcome to New York City. And this is actually going to be funny. You're actually going to be surprised Would I buy or bring album. I would say stream it. Definitely stream it. Because I don't think it's worth that. I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on the album. I think it's a good album, but there's like a lot of lows on here. Like, if that makes sense. So I'll, I'll just, I would just say stream, but you can buy it if you're a Cameron fan. But for your average listener, I would just say stream it. I would stream it too. I wouldn't buy it, you know. Buy it if it's like a dollar bin shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> if it's like super. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to throw shade, but that's just kind of my thoughts on it. So yeah, those are my opinions. Do you have a, um, What's it called? Uh, what, what's it called? What, the question you the hot take. <laughs> Yeah, hot take. There you go. Yeah, I got one. Uh, so I kind of came up with it as we were talking, and that we were talking about how, like, you know, Jules Santana was kind of like a prodigy um, of Cameron. Uh, so I guess my question would be like, how, like, so a lot of artists, I feel like a lot of them kind of try to turn into some sort of uh, like executive type or something where they kind of like take another artist under their wing um, or something like that or just or they just try to play like the big brother or something just to help somebody out like I just want to know like what are your thoughts about like when artists try to like kind of uh, like have like their own little like protégés how do you feel about that? That's a good question. I think, um, I think actually, I think it's really good, you know, just to give the person like some like attention, give them more like a, a wide array of audience. I think you have to be careful on who you market, you know, because you might have like a dog shit prodigy, you know, you might just be looking out for him because he's your friend or homeboy. You have to kind of be careful. You have to let the audience decide whether he's worthy to be your prodigy or not. Like, I think it's very, for the most part, it's really good. In some cases, it could be bad if you're not really good at marketing it. Because I know Eminem, I know we shit on Eminem a lot, but this kind of correlates to what you said about the whole prodigy thing, or I said about the prodigy thing, is that Eminem, like a lot of like people he takes under his wing, that kind of like, uh, he doesn't market them really that good. Like, they'll have like, they'll blow up and then they'll just go down. Like, you never hear... You never hear much from 50 Cent anymore other than Power. <laughs> you never hear, he has like a lot of prodigies. He has Boogie. He has, um, what's that dude with the, the white dude with the long hair? I don't know his name, but I'm blanking out on his name. But he has like, 
but he's always gonna get he's always gonna get they're always gonna get compared to Eminem. Eminem's like that rapper that just everyone's gonna come back to. They're just gonna ignore everyone else. You have to kind of be careful because people are gonna kind of put a um I wouldn't say a label, but they'll they'll set like a bar for you're gonna have a high bar to kind of reach. You have to be on the, this artist like artist is like um zone or something like that on his like level I should say. So you have to kind of be careful on that because there is like a lot of people that are trying to be watching out for their friends or family and it doesn't really work out for them. Like the promotion's not that bad. No, the promotion's not that good. And like the artist just kind of sinks into like the obscurity because he's so overshadowed by like the like the boss for him, if that makes sense. So those are kind of my thoughts on it. So for me, I would say, you know, there's a lot of risk. Um, oh, okay. So I, I guess I'll, I'll start off with the positives. So the positives are for, I would say there's a lot more positives for like the up and coming artist who's being mentored versus the guy who's doing the mentoring. Yeah. Um, I would say like one good thing about having somebody that like, kind of like put you under, like kind of like, uh, like kind of help you out to the music industry is that like, music industry can be a little shady um and so if you have somebody there to help you kind of navigate all of, like the kind of people who are going to like sell you a whole lot of like a lot of bullshit um mm. you have somebody there to kind of like monitor and make sure that like you're making good decisions you're not going to you know you're not going to sign a contract that's going to you know sell away all your music or just so it's good to have that around um just have somebody who knows the music industry and will just kind of like help lead you through all of like the all like the the BS that labels can put on on you and just other stuff that just makes the music industry just kind of shady. Yeah. Um, and then uh, as a mentor, one good thing I guess as a mentor is that it does kind of give you an even longer legacy because it kind of um, you know like people can not only are they going to look back at your catalog and say that you have a really good catalog, but they can also say that, you know, you brought the world to a really good artist. So that does help add to your legacy sometimes. Um, but like you were saying, if you bring some artist who's really bad um, and you try to promote them too heavily, people are going to start thinking that like, you know, you got bad taste or something like that. Yeah, which I guess is not the end of the world for you as an artist, and just um, you, you. But there's definitely a risk in taking somebody under your wing. But um, and I guess also as a new epic, yeah, yeah, and like also like like you, yeah. To your point, like you don't want to overshadow your new artist because if you do that, then your artist will never, um, you know, get off the ground because they're just going to be way too um connected to you to the point where like if you're not on a track with them their tracks don't blow up yeah i agree you also want to have someone that passes on the that you can be able to pass the torch on and then like your listeners will be able to accept that person not like copycat not like copycat because you don't want to do that but you just want someone to kind of like if you retire you want someone to kind of take over for you you know kind of like uh like I feel like a good example of uh, like a protege and 
Um, the person who's being trained is Dave East and Nas. I feel like they both, um, like, I think Nas has done a really good job with Dave East to kind of help him out because, like, they both kind of, like, feel, like, the same kind of, like, uh, like they feel they, they they fit in the same shoes in hip-hop you know like they're both really strong lyricists really strong storytellers and so Nas kind of takes him under his wing and um, but like we all know that Davies also has like uh, a good catalog outside of what he does with Nas yeah he was also he played Method Man on the Wu-Tang Clan biopic TV yeah show. so he's making a career for himself yeah, he's not just he's not just, you know, doing everything with Nas. He has his own career. He has his own image too. He's not just like like when I think of Davies, I do think of Nas, but I also but I don't think him and Nas are like the exact same guy. Yeah, you you want to be able to branch off to. You don't want to stay like you don't want to be like the person's mother forever. You you want you want yeah. like the artist to kind of branch off. Kind mm-hmm. of cover on his own. You don't want to hold it like it's good to hold his hand for a couple years, but you gotta let him like fly eventually out the nest. Like I would say, like the most important thing that a mentor can do is, um, is two things. One is to, like I said, help navigate them through the music industry. Just kind of teach them, like you know, don't trust people like this. Uh, you know, just because a lot of people are gonna try to take advantage of them. Um, and another good thing that a mentor can do is help uh, lead an artist to their sound. Because sometimes an artist, you know, they're really good at making music, but they need to figure out their own sound. And a mentor can really help, like, kind of, like, listen to them and tell them, hey, you're really good at, like, you're clearly very passionate about this aspect of music. Yeah. Um, and like, so, therefore, it just kind of help point them in the right direction without, like, interfering way too much in their sound like don't interfere with their sound their natural sound but um just try to help them find what they're passionate about in music and just and what sound they're really passionate about and can do really well i really i really agree with you on that too that you you want to kind of make you kind of want to make them kind of i want to say mistakes but kind of have some freedom with their life you don't want to like control them or anything where they're just like oh is this what you want? You just kind of, you want them to branch off, like you said, you just want them to just explore their talents and stuff. Like you want to lead them in the right direction, but you, you want them to kind of like decide where they want to go after that, you know? Yeah. Like they'll decide if they want to go in that direction or not. Like you can't do everything for them, you know? No. Like you, you can be there for like advice. If like they want advice from you. You can just tell them exactly what you did when you were younger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like, always be on call for advice if you're going to be right. a mentor. Don't treat them like shit either. <laughs> yeah, no, don't like, yeah, no, don't, don't, don't do that. Uh, I agree. So, yeah, I think I got all my thoughts out. All right, no doubt. So, that concludes um, season two, episode 11 of Jam Planet Podcast. We just reviewed Come Home With Me by Cameron. So next time you see us, we're going to be doing season two, episode 12. We're going to be doing our top five favorite hip hop groups. So we'll see you guys next time. Peace out. All right. See you guys next time.